going on, investors? SoFi recently just wrapped up their first ever earnings call as a public company. And if you just looked at the headlines, you would think that their 12% plus drop in one day would be justified. But I'm going to be taking a closer look at their earnings and tell you why I'm still very bullish on SoFi. For those that need a quick refresher, SoFi is becoming the one-stop shop for anything related to money right on your phone. They offer student loans, car loans, credit cards, savings accounts, a place to invest and buy stocks, cryptocurrency, home loans, and much, much more. SoFi became a public company in early June via a SPAC merger with Chamath Palihapitiya's Social Capital Group. Their three main segments are lending, technology, and financial services with lending definitely making up the bulk of their earnings. I made some slides for us to review and some points I really want to emphasize from their earnings call. Don't worry, Collect Cash podcasters, I will read out loud each bullet point for you. The first thing you see is their earnings per share miss. SoFi actually reported negative 48 basis points in actuals versus the estimate of the street, which was just a negative six basis points. So right away, you're thinking that's a huge miss and that there's a lot of trouble here ahead for SoFi. But when you take into account that only two analysts covered SoFi, since they are a brand new company, that really skews the estimates because that means each analyst, their input is 50%. A company like Microsoft, they have over 26 different mainstream analysts. They're giving their estimates, so each analyst's input is weighted a lot less. As SoFi continues to mature as a public company, the number of analysts is going to go up. According to their CEO, Anthony Noto, the analyst earnings per share number excluded stock-based compensation and many other one-time expenses related to SoFi becoming a public company slash warrants. So according to their CEO, without these one-time exceptions, their earnings per share number would actually be closer to negative five basis points which is actually very similar to what the street had been expecting. Now, if you remember in April, the SEC actually issued new guidance for SPACs that require companies to start accounting for outstanding warrants as liabilities, including the market fluctuations of their value. Now, this is actually what caused some of SoFi's financial statements to not look as attractive. SoFi also announced that they would not be raising their guidance because of the moratorium on student loans being extended. That caused about $40 million in revenues that they were anticipating to be pushed into 2022. So the way that this works is that Joey B and his teleprompter, I'm sorry, his administration, Joey B and his administration basically said, hey, you don't need to pay student loans till the end of January of 2022. SoFi actually makes money when people refinance their student loans. But if people don't have to pay their student loans temporarily, people aren't going to be in any rush to be refinancing. SoFi made their financial projections earlier this year. They were forecasting the moratorium to end by September and to be cashing in and making more money on the refinancing segment for Q4 of 2021. Now, this is of course not SoFi's fault. In fact, I think it's actually even more impressive that they reiterated their guidance numbers for the year, even without that $40 million in revenues that they were expecting from refinancing, with the moratorium coming to a close. And best of all, it didn't lower its guidance numbers either, even after the moratorium extension. SoFi reiterated its full year 2021 guidance of adjusted net revenues of $980 million and adjusted EBITDA of $27 million. 
Analysts expect SoFi's revenue to come in at $982 million, so it definitely seems like both the street and the company are jiving together there. Their CEO also said that the demand for refinancing will come back in January 2022 when the moratorium will finally expire. Some additional updates about SoFi is that they're working on adding options trading and margin trading to its platform at a later to be determined date. SoFi is still also working with the OCC and Federal Reserve related to their purchase of Golden Pacific Bank Corp, which means they're going to be getting a bank charter, and that means they get to do all of the legal Ponzi scheme stuff that banks are allowed to do, such as take deposits from customers and lend that money out as loans. Now again, lending out other people's money is totally okay if you have a bank charter, but if you and I try to do it, we would go to jail. As a result, this is a really long approval process as the US government really wants to vet you to make sure that you are qualified for them to be insuring deposits for. Again, a common theme that I keep seeing here is that many things are being delayed not because of anything that SoFi is doing wrong, but the government hurdles it has to keep jumping over and waiting for. You saw that in the moratorium being unexpectedly extended, and now the bank charter that SoFi was hoping to cash in on, that's also experiencing a few delays, none of which are on SoFi's end. SoFi is also looking to expand heavily into international markets as well. Now they believe because they are a digital company that they can go international much faster than their competitors. Let's talk about their technology platform Galileo and why it just continues to boom. So their acquisition of Galileo, which if you don't know what that is, it's sort of like the Amazon web services of the fintech sector. They provide APIs or application programming interfaces, which is the software that allows applications to be able to talk to each other. That's what allows fintech companies to easily create bank accounts and issue physical and virtual credit cards, among many other services. SoFi actually acquired Galileo early last year because they were having difficulty finding tech companies that could provide them with the infrastructure that they were exactly looking for. So they decided to streamline the process themselves and acquire a banking as a service ecosystem company. So Galileo, they actually get paid anytime someone swipes their card does an ACH transfer or an API call, which if you know anything about finance, that kind of happens literally every second. When SoFi acquired them last year, they had just 36 million accounts tied to their partners. Just a year and a half later, that number has now grown to 79 million accounts, and Galileo just continues to add new partners who are in turn grabbing more customers. They also had a tax benefit last year from the Galileo acquisition, which they were not able to use again this year, which is partly why their year-over-year -year net income doesn't look so great. SoFi used their first year with Galileo to position the business for future growth. So they've been investing really heavily to move operations from an on-premise environment to now being on the cloud. This caused SoFi to nearly double its headcount and expand into new geographical locations. As you know, research and development causes a significant increase in expenses and slowers the growth contribution profit, which was up just 8% during the year. But hey, I would rather have SoFi reinvest in Galileo right now because I know it's definitely gonna pay off in the future. Let's talk about what I really loved about SoFi's earning report and a few key takeaways. They actually grew their total amount of members for the eighth straight quarter. They're now up to 2.6 million customers. That is a 113% year-over-year increase from last year. Now, if those numbers went the other direction, if a newer company like SoFi was unable to get new customers, 
that would be a warning sign. That's when I would be getting worried, and that's when a 10% plus sell-off would maybe be justified. Another thing that I love about SoFi is that they have really cheap customer acquisition costs, meaning if you can get a person to use one of SoFi's products, chances are they might use another SoFi product. There are currently 3.7 million SoFi products being used, up 123% from the year before. Now these are exactly the high growth numbers I want to be seeing. Now you might be wondering why has SoFi been so volatile these past couple months? I think a lot of that actually has to do with this really peculiar lockup period that this particular SPAC had. SoFi's lockup period expired a lot earlier than other companies that IPO or go public. Typically a lockup period means that early investors can sell within 180 days, but SoFi's agreement was that a majority of its shares after just 30 days could be sold if a price target was met. And that price target was easily met. And that means most of the insiders who owned the majority of SoFi shares, they were free to sell their shares to the open market, which obviously caused the price to go down. Plus just being a SPAC and a newer company, that's just always prone to being more volatile. This stock also gets a lot of traction on Wall Street bets. So take that for however you want. It's shorted pretty heavily right now, so I would love to see another GME squeeze with SoFi. I also wanted to add that I have a pretty big position in SoFi, over 220 shares. The reason that I mentioned this is that sometimes investors, they have tunnel vision, they only want to listen to good news, and I am no different. So make sure you're getting your information from someone who might be a little bit more bearish as me as well. Now these videos do take a lot of time to put together. Please consider helping the channel out by liking, leaving a comment, or telling me what you think about SoFi, and subscribing to the channel. SoFi is right on the cusp of being a profitable company, and with the NFL season starting, it's naming rights to SoFi Stadium, which hosts two NFL teams in the US's second largest market, is definitely going to pay off. As always, remember to buy, stash, and best of all, collect cash.